Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is with me, whom shall I fear? Man, what a powerful, powerful song. And I need somebody to declare that right now. Put it in the chat if you will. Just, just say, I know God is for me. I know God is for me. And can I tell you something? If God wasn't for you, you wouldn't be where you are right now. If God wasn't for you, you wouldn't have made it through all that you have been through. God has not brought you this far to leave you now. Thank God that he is with us. Thank God that he is for us. And when he is for us, he's more than the world against us. Thank you, Elder. Thank you, Praise Team, for allowing the Lord to use you today uh, to encourage us to know that God is a good God and that God is for us. Come on, let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. And I pray now that everything that we do and say will be pleasing in your sight, that you will be glorified, that your people will be edified, that the devil will be horrified and terrified as your word goes forth today. May somebody be encouraged to become all that you want them to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I had to take my car to the shop. And I was working at the time in Dallas. I was working for the Dallas County Juvenile Department. And I was going into the office, decided that I would drop my car off at a mechanic close to where I worked, where I officed, and would make my way there. I called my office and let them know what I was doing. One of my coworkers said, well, do you want me to pick you up? I said, no, no problem. I'm right down the street. Uh, I'm going to catch the bus catch the bus and I'll be there in just a few minutes. And so I drop my car off and I walk over to the bus stop. Now I've got to tell you, um, growing up in New York City, I'm, I'm used to and familiar with public transportation, uh, but public transportation is not something that has been my common use since I moved to Texas and not real common in the Sunbelt state. So I go to the bus stop, and, and I know I'm on the right side of the street. I know I'm heading in the right direction, and I am waiting on the bus. I'm waiting on the bus, and I see a bus coming on the other side of the street. Well, I, I get encouragement because I saw a bus coming on the other side of the street because in my mind, if a bus has come on the other side of the street, it's just a matter of time before a bus comes on my side of the street. We continue to wait, and I'm listening to people talking, and, and I've got to tell you, it wasn't a Christian bus stop, uh, so there was some profanity, some cussing going on, because there were some people who were already waiting on the bus when I arrived. Uh, a second bus came, but again, on the other side of the street, on the other side of the street. And so now the intensity of the profane language goes up. It begins to escalate. And, and there are some other people who have come now to the bus stop. And I'm, I'm just standing there waiting. I'm thinking in my mind, uh, I wonder if I should start walking. Maybe I should start walking. Uh, but I said, no, nah, just, just wait on the bus. It's, it's simpler. It's easier. And you've already seen a second bus come. So you know just by the law of averages, there's got to be a bus coming on your side. Well, here comes a bus. 
on the other side of the street. Now, it was three on that side, zero on this side. And I've got to tell you, my brothers and sisters, people were upset. Uh, A group of people who had talked about walking took off and started walking, and others were thinking about it. Some were cussing about it. And I admit, I was, at the, I was at the verge. I wasn't at the verge of cussing, but I was at the verge of taking off. And I could sense the Holy Spirit telling me, wait, there's something I want you to learn today. My brothers and sisters, many of us in life, even right now, are like I was waiting at that bus stop. Literally, you're waiting, but you're not waiting on a bus. You're not waiting on a person. You're waiting on God. And what's hard about waiting on God is when God seems to be moving slow, God seems to be taking his time when it comes to you, especially when you see God moving in other people's lives and God is not moving in yours. Today, I want to conclude a message that I started on last week entitled, How to Wait When God Seems Slow. How to Wait When God Seems Slow. We've been talking about don't worry, trust God. And and I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that I believe much of the remedy for the stress, the anxiety, uh, the denial and depression that we are going through, the anger and the angst, is really tied to our ability to understand that trusting God and finding peace with God and in God can be found independent of what's going on around us. Our foundational text is Psalm 13. Psalm 13. It is a psalm of lament. It is a prayer that David is making to the Lord. And I shared with you last thing, last week, I shared with you two very important things that will lay the foundation for where we go this week. I shared with you first that if you're going to wait when God seems slow and you're going to do it right, realize your timing is not God's timing. Realize your timing is not God's timing. In verse 1, Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Four times in two verses, David proclaims, exclaims to God, how long? How long? And, And many times when you are waiting for God, the truth of the matter is, Your timing and my timing are not God's timing, and God frequently seems to be moving slower than we desire. And and David gives us a glimpse into some feelings that you might have, right? Some feelings that you might have. Uh, David says, uh, first, you might feel like God has forgotten you. In verse 1, the A part, when he says, uh, will you forget me forever, you might feel like God has dropped you off or left you and forgotten where he has left you. You might feel, uh, B, not only that you've been forgotten by God, but you've been forsaken by God. Uh, That somehow uh, God has hid his face from you, the B part of verse 1. C, you might feel uh, fragile. You might feel frail. 
when the psalmist says in verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart daily? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a powerful concept, having sorrow in my heart daily. It's like every day I'm dealing with something. Anybody, can you identify with that in the chat for me, if you will, that every day it seems, if it's not one thing, my mother used to say, if it's not one thing, it's another, right? It always seems like it's something. Just when you get one thing settled, here comes something else. It may not even be your problem. It may be the problem of friends, family members. It may be the problem of children. Uh, whoever it is, here comes another issue. D, David says, I, I felt fallen. He says, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? How long will my enemy stand over me? He says, God, how long am I going to have to deal with this? And, and the issue with, with waiting on God is many times just understanding that, that God is not obligated to move when we want him to move. Man, we want something done instantaneously. And God says, no, sometimes, listen to me carefully, God has a purpose and a plan behind your waiting. And I'll talk a little bit about that later on. Last week, number two, we said... You need to request the Lord's help. You need to request the Lord's help. In verse 3, the psalmist says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. David says, Lord, I need you to help me. God, I need you to give me not eyesight. I need divinely guided insight. God, I need you to let me see not through my lens of self-pity, but I need you to let me see through your divinely constructed lens so I can see the purpose behind this patience that you are developing in me, that I can make sense out of the waiting that I am going through. God, give me divine perspective. Listen to me carefully. Get me off the floor and put me in the balcony. Get me off the street and put me in the high rise. Let me see more than I can see because I think I might be blinded by the forest for the trees. I, I can't see, God, everything I need to see. So, Lord, I need you to enlighten my eyes that I might see what you're trying to show me. And my brothers and sisters, there's nothing like prayer to remind you of who you are and remind you of who God is. There's nothing like prayer. When you go to God and say, God, I need you to show me. I need you to show me so I can see. The Bible says if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask of God. God will freely give it to you. God will give you not just knowledge, but the proper application of that knowledge into your life situation. He says, Lord, open my mind that I might see. Which leads us to our part two of this message, how to wait when God seems slow. Number one, you need to rest in the Lord's love for you. You need to rest in the Lord's love for you. Psalm 13, verse 5, the A part, 
but I have trusted in your mercy. I have trusted in your mercy. He moves from protest to petition to now a proud proclamation. That contrastive conjunction in verse 5 lets us know that, that it has shifted for, for, for the writer. The psalmist now has moved to a place of uh, acceptance. He has moved from um, a protest. He has moved from uh, anger. He has moved from frustration to now saying, but I have trusted in your mercy. That word for trusted literally means to find refuge in, uh, a, a place to, to hide and, and, and know that and believe that I am secure, that, that I am safe. He says, I have trusted in your mercy. That, that word for mercy uh, is the Hebrew word chesed, and, and chesed is, is that uh, Old Testament uh, synonym for grace in the New Testament. It is the unfailing, unconditional, covenantal love of God. It is initiated by God from him to us for our benefit, not because we deserved it, but because we needed it. The writer says, Lord, I have trusted in your mercy. I, I want somebody today to, to get this. I want you to hear me today in the midst of whatever you're going through. Think about all of the areas that you are being hit. Some of you are being hit, for example, in the area of physical challenges and physical malady. Some um, mentally just having a tough time in your mind. Some spiritually you're under attack. Some emotionally, you're going through some, some difficult times, right? We're facing all of these things, and they're all getting convoluted into one another. But in the midst of all of it, here's what I want you to do. Trust in God's love for you. That's what the praise team saying earlier. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is with us, of whom shall we fear? God is with you. The psalmist says, trust in God's love for you. Rest in his love. And that idea of resting in his love is a, is a powerful concept. Sometimes I'll ask somebody, and maybe you'll ask somebody, or they'll ask you, how you doing? And you'll hear a response, maybe something like this. I'm hanging in there. And I would often correct the person and say, man, listen, no, don't hang in there. Learn how to rest in the Lord. See, when we hang in there, we're hanging by our power. We're hanging by our strength, and our strength will eventually exhaust itself. But when you learn how to rest in his power, let, let me give you a picture of what it means to rest. Some of you right now are resting where you are. Some of you. Some of you, some of you are going to think I can see you because I know where you are. Some of you are resting in your bed right now. You're watching the worship service. You're having church in the bed. That's where you are, in your pajamas. Some of you are sitting in your favorite chair. Somebody is sitting on the couch. Somebody is sitting in their office. Somebody, you may be in your car, right? 
And, and guess what you are doing right now? You are exhibiting trust. You are not anticipating a structural failure of where you are lying or where you are sitting right now. You're not anticipating the chair to fall apart. You're not anticipating the bed to collapse. You're not anticipating the, 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 the structure of where you are sitting to literally fall apart. No, you are trusting that, watch this, that it is not only holding you, but it is able to hold you. And so you are not anticipating a collapse, so therefore you are not sitting there tense and bracing yourself to have to spring up in case of a structural collapse of what you are currently resting on. The psalmist says, but I have trusted in your mercy. I'm resting, Lord, in your mercy. And I want to encourage somebody today to trust in God's love. Trust in that covenantal love. Trust in that love that was initiated by God on your behalf. You didn't look for God. God was looking for you long before you were looking for him. Trust in God's love. To know that he didn't bring you this far to leave you. To know that if God is for you, he's more than the world against you. To know that you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Trust in God's love. Number two, you need to rejoice in the Lord's goodness. You need to rejoice in the Lord's goodness. Look at what he says, Psalm 13, verse 5, the B part in verse 6. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Uh, it's interesting, verse 6, it's almost like he shifts from talking to God to talking about God. But don't rush over verse 5. Verse 5, the B part, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Uh, David moves from protest to petition. He moves from petition. Now he gets to praise. He gets to praise. I'm going to trust in your Mercy, your chesed, your unconditional love for me. And then he says, my heart will rejoice in your salvation. My heart shall rejoice. My, my heart shall exude the joy of the Lord. Uh, there will be evidence of the joy that you have given me in your salvation. Uh, that, that word for salvation is, is an interesting word because it, it refers to being delivered, right? Uh, being saved. But watch this. It's, it's a passive participle. And, and it's important for you to understand that in the passive voice, what it simply means is I could not save myself. I needed somebody else to save me. Right? I may have tried to save myself, but I found myself unable to save myself. Here I am in a quicksand of thoughts and emotions and situations and circumstances. 
And the evidence is the more you struggle in quicksand, the more you sink, the more you try to save yourself, the more you are going to go under. But when somebody who is outside of your situation, outside of your circumstance, or who has the power to stand even within your circumstance and save you, you become dependent upon them. Thank you, Lord. The psalmist says, Lord, I rejoice in your salvation. Beyond just being saved in Jesus every day, every day God shows you his saving power, his delivering power. Come on, somebody put it in the chat if you will. Somebody who's listening right now, you have been saved. You are being saved by God and you will be saved by God. Not in terms of your eternal salvation. Somebody, you have been delivered and you are still being kept, for example, in your right mind. Somebody, you have been saved and you are being kept through trials and tribulations. Somebody, you are being kept through storms and through rain, and you need to rejoice in the saving, the delivering power of God. Preach, Cofield. You, you, you have to learn how to rejoice in your waiting. You, you gotta, can, can I tell you something? So many times in life, we, we think waiting is a passive activity. And it's really not a passive activity. There are things that waiting gives us an opportunity to do. One of them is to reflect on the goodness of God and to rejoice, secondly, about the goodness of God. We can reflect and we can rejoice. Instead of focusing on the waiting, we can rejoice on what God has done, what God is doing, and then we can give him some anticipatory praise in what we believe God will do. But can I tell you something? As I get ready to close, God has a purpose behind waiting. Somebody, you may be wondering, why, why would God make me wait? Why, why would God make me wait? Because, because verse 6 says, uh, I, I, will, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I will, I will praise God because he has dealt bountifully with me. It, it's as if... The psalmist says, I'm, I'm going to turn and look in the backyard of my life. And when I look back and, and reflect on what the Lord has done in my life, all I can see behind me is goodness and mercy. I, I see the blessings of God in my life. Even if God didn't keep me from some things, I can look back and see, Lord have mercy, how God kept me through everything I've gone through. And what the devil meant for evil, God turned it around and used it for my good. Lord, the devil thought he was going to destroy me, and God used it to develop me. The devil thought he was going to use it to pull me down, and God used it as a stepping stone to lift me up to higher heights in him. Let, let me give you three, three things that, that God does when he makes us wait. Um, sometimes, uh, A, under two, sometimes God makes you wait so he can work on you and help you grow and get you ready for what he's getting ready for you. Sometimes he makes you wait so he can help you grow and get you ready for what he's getting ready for you. See, see sometimes we see in the prophetic eye, what is coming. 
But God knows, even though he shows it to us ahead of time, we're not ready to walk in what he is preparing us for. So he's got to get us ready for what he is getting us ready for. He's just giving you a preview of where you are going, but it doesn't mean you have arrived. He's just shown you some signs along the way. Uh, Let me see if I can help you here. One of the uh, drives that I don't get excited about making is the drive from Houston, Texas to New Orleans, Louisiana. And, and that's not necessarily a hard drive. It's about a six-hour drive. But what makes the drive challenging for me is you go a long stretch and you see no signs. You see no signs that indicate how far you are from New Orleans. Now, I know you can figure it out. I know you can use a GPS and it can tell you how far you are from New Orleans. But, but before the days of GPS, I, I used to look for a sign. And I never got out at the sign and thought I had arrived. I never got to the place where it said New Orleans, 149 miles, jumped out of my car and acted like I was on Canal Street. The sign does not indicate the place. In that instance, the sign simply serves as an encouragement and information to know you are going down the right road. Somebody ought to hear me today because God has put some signs in your life. And here's what God says. I am getting you ready for what I am getting ready for you. But there's some time that must lapse between what I have shown you and your arrival. Let me see if I can get some Bible witnesses here. Abraham had to wait 25 years and experience a name change from Abram to Abraham, his wife from Sarai to Sarah, 25 years from the time of promise of a child to a time of the birth of that child. Joseph had to wait 13 years between the time that he saw the vision of his brothers bowing before him to the time that he got through the throne. And in between him seeing the vision, he had to go through the pit, he had to go through prison, he had to be beat up, he had to be lied on before he got to where God told him he was going to be. Moses had to wait 80 years working on the backside of a Midian desert before he would go down and fulfill his divine purpose to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. David waited 12 years between the time of his anointing by Samuel and his ascension to the throne. Faced persecution in the midst of those 12 years, but David had to go through that time in order to be prepared. So that when he got in, he would have the character to stay in. Sometimes God is working on you to get you ready for what he's getting ready for you. B, sometimes he makes you wait because he's preparing something special for you. Yeah, sometimes he makes you wait because he's preparing something special for you. See, see, you want it right now, and God says, no, I'm not going to give it to you right now because I've got something even better that I want to give you. Uh, let me give you an example. I went through the drive-thru of a fast food restaurant, and I ordered my, my food. And when I got to the window, uh, they asked for my credit card. I paid for it. And then they asked me to pull over to the side and wait there for my food. 
And so I went over to the side, and I got to admit, I was a little frustrated because I saw several cars who had ordered behind me, came through, paid for their food, got their food, and took off. And I'm sitting there on the side waiting. And then the manager came out with my food. She came out with my food, and she apologized. She said, sir, I'm sorry for the wait. The reason you had to wait is because you had a special order. And it was going to take us more time to put your order together. So we didn't want to hold up the other people who just had regular orders. So we wanted to make sure we could take care of your special order. Somebody ought to hear me today because there's somebody who's listening right now. God is getting ready your special order. Come on, put it in the chat. Say, I'm waiting on my special order. God is waiting to give you that special thing that he is preparing for you. The woman with the issue of blood waited 12 years before she found her healing in Jesus. Jairus had to wait. His daughter was sick. He had to wait for a woman to get healed by Jesus on the way to take care of his daughter. His daughter died, but that didn't stop Jesus from doing what he could do. Why? Because even when you wait, waiting never negates the power of God to address your situation where you are the most. Let me share with you, see, sometimes God makes you wait so he can do more than you ask. (laughs) Sometimes God makes you wait so he can do more than you ask or think. He literally can blow your mind. You you remember Lazarus, don't you? Uh, Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. And the Bible says Jesus waits Days before he goes, not minutes, not hours, days before he goes to check on Lazarus. Uh, By the time he gets there, Lazarus has died and has been dead. And he hears from the sister of Lazarus who says, uh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then Jesus lets her know who he is, that, that he's not only the God who can heal but he's the God who can resurrect. He, he says, do you believe in the resurrection? And she said, oh, yeah, I believe in the resurrection in the by and by, but we needed you to heal in the here and now. And Jesus reminds her who she is talking to when he says, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And he calls forth as he goes to the tomb and says, Lazarus, Come forth. The old preacher said he had to call Lazarus by name because if he had just said come forth, everybody in the grave would have come forth. And the Bible says Jesus did even beyond what she could ask or imagine. Somebody hear me today. You're waiting on God. Lord have mercy. I know I'm knocking on somebody's door. You're waiting on God. And I want you to trust. I want you to trust that God hears you and God can answer your prayer. He may not answer it the way you want. He may not answer it when you want, but I'm a living witness. God can answer your prayer. So I'm waiting on the bus. I know some of you are wondering what happened. I'm waiting on the bus and the third bus comes and passes and it's on the other side of the street. And you know when you're waiting on a bus, I don't know how many of you had an opportunity to wait on a bus or a train or something, and you start looking down the road like, you know, you're looking is going to help the bus get there quicker, right? I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm looking, 
I don't see anything. Then I look to my right and I see the people who took off walking. And they are now going out of sight. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I should have left when they left. I, I, I should have walked when they were. I would have I been where I want to be, wanted to be by now. And I can see it, hear the Holy Ghost. I can feel the Holy Ghost saying, no, just sit here. Just wait. Just wait. I'm looking, and finally, I see a bus come up over that hill. I see the top of the bus, and, and that bus pulls up at the bus stop, and I get on. Now, I got to tell you something. A bunch of the complaining folk had taken off and walked. There were some folk who had been complaining, but nobody got on the bus grumbling. Nobody got on the bus complaining. Nobody gave any smart comments. Nobody asked how was the donuts or, you know, did you have a long break? They were just so glad that the bus finally arrived. They got on the bus, and I was one of them, paid my fare, and took my seat. And I said, Lord, is that what you wanted me to see? If I, if I wait long enough, the bus is going to show up? And the Lord said, no, no, no. That's not all I need you to see. Just keep on riding. As we were riding down the street, guess who we came upon? Several blocks down, we come upon the people who were at the bus stop with us who started walking. Here's the problem. They were in between stops. They started waving, and the bus driver waved at them and kept right on going. And the Holy Ghost said, now that's what I wanted you to see. I said, what do you want me to see, God? God said, you will always get where I want you to be on time when you wait on me to get you there. Come on, somebody say hallelujah in the, in the chat. Somebody shout in the chat. Somebody say amen in the chat. God said, you won't get where I want you to be slow or late when you wait on me to get you there. Somebody right now, you need to rejoice that when you wait on God, come on, you got a history with God. You've got a track record with God. When you wait on God, God will never move too slow to get you where he wants you to be. Psalm 25 verse 21 says, let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait on thee. Psalm 27 verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Look at verse 9, for evil doers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 39, verse 7, and now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Look at Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 25, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Isaiah 40, beginning at verse 28, read it along with me if you will. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, 
The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He's a God you can't hurry. He'll be there. The songwriter says, don't you worry. He may not come when you want him. He may not come when you call him. But is there anybody who knows he is an on-time God? He is an on-time God. Wait on the Lord. Blessings are on the way. Wait on the Lord. Deliverance is on the way. Wait on the Lord. Joy is on the way. Wait on the Lord. Love is on the way. Wait on the Lord. Peace is on the way. Wait on the Lord. Power is on the way. Wait on the Lord. And be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on, on God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that everything that has been said and done has been pleasing in your sight. I pray, God, that somebody may be encouraged to know that their waiting is not in vain that when they wait on you to get them there they'll never arrive to their divinely appointed destination late move as only you can encourage by your spirit that somebody would wait on you it's in Jesus name we pray amen My brothers and sisters, listen, I want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, it's my prayer that God has spoken to you in a very real and personal way to understand that many times it's our impatience that gets in the way of us receiving and recognizing God's power moving in our lives. And there's somebody in here right now, you're, you're asking God and you've been praying and saying, God, can you get me through this? Can you get me through this as quick as possible? And God is saying, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. You, you don't want to be prematurely released out of a situation, a circumstance that is intended to build you up, intended to help you become all that God wants you to be. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I told you I've been going to rehab because of surgery that I had at the end of 2020. Uh, one of the challenges that my family and I faced in the midst of COVID, in the midst of economic crisis, racial unrest and the like. And so I'm, I'm going every week, two days a week, I'm going to therapy. And, and last week I, I had a, had a tough week after my second day. Um, I experienced a lot of swelling, a lot of discomfort. And in my mind, I, I don't know what I was thinking, right? Cause I wasn't icing. I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do to 
combat the inflammation and combat the swelling. And you know what I realized? Uh, one, in the midst of the struggle and in the midst of the pain, I could see I'm making progress. Now, I'm not walking, running, or jumping like I was prior to the surgery. As a matter of fact, I'm not running or jumping. But I can see the progress that's being made. Here's what else I realized. My physical therapy is a choice, right? Like I don't have to go in there twice a week and, and, and let my physical therapist work me like a Hebrew slave, right? I don't, I don't have to do that. That's a choice. And here's what I realized. It's for my benefit, right? Now, I can look at the end of the journey and say, man, this is hard. You know what? I'm done. But if I look and I see how far I've come, I can see the progress. Somebody put in the chat progress. Somebody that's listening right now, here's what I hear the Lord saying. You're, you're saddened on the journey and you haven't found joy for the journey because you're waiting to arrive to celebrate instead of learning how to celebrate on the way and celebrate your progress to becoming. Lord Jesus says you got to learn how to celebrate on the way. You've got to learn how to rejoice in the progress that you're making. And I want to encourage somebody to do that. Now listen, if you're listening today and you would like somebody to pray for you, uh, in the chat, uh, you can request a prayer and somebody will pray with you immediately or will contact you to pray with you, to take your concerns before the Lord on your behalf, to intercede on your behalf. Sometimes we want somebody to touch and agree with us, to pray with us and to pray for us. And we're here to do that. If you're looking for a church home, we want to give you an opportunity to become part of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church and our digital offering, I Hope Church. And we not only want you to watch us, uh, but we want to help you to become all that God wants you to be, to fulfill your potential in Jesus Christ. And we ask you to just give us an opportunity to do that. For many of you, you're not in church. Uh, you're not able to go to church. Um, and for some of you, God has been doing something amazing in your life. And we want to celebrate that with you. Uh, give us an opportunity to do that. If you are in need of Jesus Christ in your life, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You want to give your life to the Lord. Listen to me carefully. Uh, being a Christian, man, the, the name Christian has been co-opted in so many negative ways. And it has so many negative connotations to it. Uh, it's been linked to political parties, which is the furthest thing from the gospel. Um, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow his words. Uh, I want to follow his precepts, his principles, and his practices, right? I want to walk like him. I want to live like him. And if you want to become more like Jesus and you've never asked the Lord into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you would click on the link, it says, I want to become a Christian. I want to be saved. But how? Uh, we will show you privately, walk you through 
uh, what we call the prayer of repentance to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. And then we encourage you to become part of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Listen, I want to leave you today with the message that the praise team left us with. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I want you to remind yourself of that when you're going through trials and tribulations, when you're going through difficulties. And can I tell you something? All of us are in various shapes, in various sizes, in various ways. All of us are going through difficulties. And one of the things that I know you want is for people to understand that you're going through some things right now. And guess what? They want you to understand that they're going through some things right now as well. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to affirm in your own spirit, encourage yourself to know that God is for you. All right? Until next time, God bless is my prayer.